0: Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we talk with people around the world who can help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor, certified eating disorder specialist, and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. Calming the Chaos Podcast is for those who want self-help resources and education it's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now let the chaos begin. In this episode of calming the chaos, I'm here talking with Dr. Elise De Geer. And now uh, Dr. De Geer is a clinical psychologist and she's practicing in Pennsylvania. And she also has this wonderful book that she's released that we're going to be talking about today. And it's called Flashback Girl. And it is lessons on resilience from a burn survivor. Hence, the title of this episode is Burned by Chaos. And now, so Dr. De Geer is going to come up here and talk to us about her story and about external, internal chaos, wherever it goes. Welcome, Dr. De Geer.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really glad to be with you.
0: Yeah, I'm really super happy to hear about your story and about all of the accolades that your book has been getting. I'm certainly enthralled by it. Um, I guess I thought maybe we could start out by you introducing yourself, uh, where you're at, and what brought you to be a guest on Calm the Chaos.
1: Sure. So I'm a psychologist by trade. That's um, I got my doctorate, I, don't know, I guess, about 30 years ago when I've been working in the field a long time. I also recently became an author. I wrote um, my memoir, Flashback Girl, which came out last year. So now I have two jobs, really. I'm a psychologist, and I'm also a speaker and an author and a presenter on, on my book, and then on subject of my book, which is how to not only survive trauma, but um, recover from and have a resilient and beautiful life after trauma.
0: A resilient and beautiful life. That sounds so awesome, especially since I work with people who have trauma as well. I think a lot of my listeners would like to know how you get there. So I'm sure we'll get there in time for sure. Now, you are a private uh, clinician, private practice uh, in Pennsylvania, and then now you also have this book that has gotten quite a few awards, which we'll talk about later. Uh, tell us a little bit about where the chaos began for you, if you'd like to be able to share whatever you can about your story without giving all of it
1: away, right? Because we do want people to read the book. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, I guess the beginning of my story um, started in a day in October, 1967. My family was on its first day of vacation and my mother decided to light a barbecue for dinner. And so I was standing right next to her. I was only four years old at the time. And she took a can of something she thought was lighter fluid and she poured it on the coals, but they didn't light. So she took that same can of this thing that, again, she thought was lighter fluid, but it turned out to be a highly flammable household solvent, poured it back on the coals, and at that moment, it erupted in a giant explosion. Although my mother was right next to me, in that moment, instinct set in for her, and she was a very challenging person in many, many ways. At any rate, instinct set in, and she realized that the only way to save herself was to run through the flame and down into the lake, which was right there. And that's what she did. But she left me in that fire. So I was saved through the uh, quick thinking and bravery of my dad. Mm. Um, But at the end of all that, at the end of that sort of, you know, I don't know, couple minutes of horror, I wound up. 65% burned all over my little body, like third degree burns, which is, you know, really the worst kind. I lost my lip. I lost my chin, my neck, my arms were fused to my body. I was hideous. Mm. And that began sort of my journey into the medical world of recovering from burn care, which is long and incredibly painful, really, really challenging. So to kind of wind back to what you were saying, there was chaos that came from this fire, many years of chaos, really. And then there was chaos that came from my own family that had many limitations and problems and, you know, didn't do a great job in taking care of me or my brother.
0: Yeah, I, I saw that you had described your parents as being iconoplastic, I iconoclastic
1: can you say the word for me please iconoclastic and uh tracy you're in you're in good company a lot of people when they talk to me they're like i've never even heard that word so iconoclastic so that's the the root word is icon you know something so different so unique so um special Mm -hmm. and my parents were both of them incredibly unique and um Sort of musical geniuses, both of them, truly incredibly smart people, entirely unprepared to be good parents. Was your brother older than you or younger? My brother was older. He was five years older than me. And I, so, I will often say that he was my best parent uh, because he really was. He was an extraordinary person.
0: So at the time of this fire, your brother was nine years
1: old, right? Yes. Where was he when the fire broke out? He was on the other side of the porch and on the other side of the flame. And so his job, his little journey that day was to run down the dirt road screaming as loud as he could, because there was no phone at this cabin and there were certainly no cell phones in 1967. But he ran to alert the neighbors, who came. They, you know, called the ambulance, and they came. So mm-hmm. that was Mark's job—is to help us in that way. But it was very challenging for him. Can you imagine witnessing that at nine? Yeah, you talk about chaos, and
0: not only from possibly your perspective, your parents' perspective, but your brother's perspectives. This event, this thing that happened, caused imbalance, you know, or randomness, unexpected, all the things that chaos is. And, and those people who were maybe looking forward to enjoying a barbecue, all of a sudden, had everything turn upside down and just sounds like the worst way. Yes. Yeah. So when we talk about chaos, and how we move through it, right? Because it, it, it happens. These events happen in, in lives. And and I know our listeners are out there very much uh, having their own uh, chaos. And And I think that if they understand that a person like you can not only survive it, but to thrive being a, an author, a blogger, we didn't even talk about your blog, uh, and, and all the good that you do in your private practice, then then they can survive it too.
1: Yeah, and, and Tracy, that is exactly why I wrote this book. So what I just told you is actually only the beginning of a life of tremendous trauma, loss, and problems. I'm going to say almost all of which were thrust upon me as a child. I, I was, you know, I had neglectful parents. I was bullied. I had years of medical trauma. There were multiple untimely deaths in my family due to suicide. I could go on and on. It has been an extraordinary beginning in life. And yet, you know, here I am, you know, many decades later, and I have the kind of life that most people would be like, I like her life. And so you know, how does that happen, right? How how does, how does can we go from being essentially the most unfortunate person you would have ever met as a child to having a really good life? And I've been on that journey and I've had luck and I've had help and I worked at it, but I made it. And so I know that many other people are going through terrible times I and mean, life is really challenging. And I think one of the first steps towards making it through terrible times is having the hope that you can recover and that life can get better and that it could turn out okay. And so that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book was to put out a story of rather extreme suffering and say, look, it turned out okay for me. This is what I did. This is what happened. It can turn out okay for you too.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar at all with uh, dialectical behavior therapy. You probably are being a a psychologist, but they say pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. And I don't know how a four-year-old gets through the pain without the suffering, but apparently you did because your parents weren't that much help. Is that what I'm
1: understanding? My parents were not that much help. uh they were both especially my mother very limited and my father too though yeah but although your your
0: father did rush in and and do what was needed when it when it required it right he he was able to pull you out
1: yes he did and um and and i he had more to give than my mother did Mm, but one of the things that i know looking back on it and and I can really see very clearly is that even though my parents were not what they ought to have been there were plenty of other people who were in my corner uh, my my older brother Mark as I mentioned I had grandparents who really loved me uh, my plastic surgeon in the hospital was an extraordinary man he really made me feel safe and cared for I had friends lifelong, really good friends who had my back and I had theirs. So that's one of the things that I talk about a lot in the book is that, you know, just because your family isn't what either they ought to be or what you need them to be, or they're not able to be, doesn't mean that there isn't love in the world. And you got to look around for it sometimes, but that doesn't mean it isn't there.
0: Yes. Yeah, people talk about resources and that's exactly what you're saying is that there are these resources out there and you can find them out outside of yourself and then they can help you to find them within yourself. So you can find resources within uh, your own self I I just so working with trauma I'm just my heart goes out to that little four-year-old and um, I know you've probably done a, quite a bit of work in in your own trauma because you would have to uh, but i I just say that um, that here is my heart and my mind going out to that little four-year-old who maybe just didn't know what was going on and was caught by surprise and then, All of the pain. I I don't know how much you remember about the incident and how much you want to share but four years old some sometimes people don't have memories
1: from back then but do you? So I have kind of flashes of memories and the reason why I know exactly what happened at the day of the fire and how it transpired was that my father wrote it all down afterwards so I have his written record and there were witnesses that, you know, came around and also concurred. The, the thing that I, I, I do remember very much from the day of the fire and then these flashes in the hospital are mostly memories of being alone and scared. That's what I remember. I have a memory of calling out to my mother when we were at, both in the hospital, like waiting to be seen and I remember I was like lying in a hallway in the, in the hospital corridor. And I knew that she was nearby. And I called out to her and I said, mommy, I'm so cold. Because when you're burned, your skin is gone. right? It's very cold. And I remember my mother calling back and saying, I'm cold too. And like, that's it. That's all she said to me. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how it was with her in the hospital. Like she was suffering as well, although not nearly. As, she wasn't burned nearly as badly as I was, but she was suffering as well. And that was what she was thinking about. She was really not present for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: When we think of survivors, we often think to ourselves, wow, what an inspiring story. Well, you're about to meet a Bucks County woman who survived a devastating fire at just four years old. And it's the life lessons she learned from that experience that tell an incredible story of resilience, courage, and survival. Take a look.
1: I didn't have a lip, a chin, a neck. My arms were fused to my body. And and I'm a burnt survivor.
2: Dr. Lise Geer holds many titles. She's an author, clinical psychologist, and keynote speaker. But it's her trauma as a burn survivor that acts as the protagonist in her debut book, Flashback Girl.
1: My hope is that this book reaches everybody who is suffering and gives them a sense of like, look, if I can make it
2: through all this, you can make it through all this. The year was 1967. Dr. DeGeer was just four years old, vacationing with her family in New Hampshire. Her mother began lighting the grill for a family barbecue with what she thought was lighter fluid. And at
1: that point, uh, a tiny little flame shot up in this can, exploded all over me and my mom. And my mother, um, you know, God rest her soul, took one look at this situation and dashed through that fire down in the lake and she left me in it.
2: But the fire and its aftermath are just the beginning of a riveting story.
1: So that I kind of had two lives going
2: on, right? When I
1: was in the hospital, I was there having surgery after surgery, you know, something like 60 of them all told. And when I was home, you know, I was trying to be a normal kid and have a normal life, but I was seriously very disfigured at the time and
2: kids were mean. She dealt with the internal and external battle with little emotional support from her parents, and things only seemed to get worse when her brother committed suicide when she was just 14 years old. And Anya, that was the hardest thing that ever happened to me. You think, might think it was the fire, but it was it was my brother's death because he was uh, he was like a father to me. Now a wife and mother of two, she's using her story and career to help turn pain into passion and trauma into life lessons. I must say, one of my favorite lessons uh, from the book was actually lesson four, when you talked about friendship. But I'm curious to know, what is your favorite lesson from the book?
1: I think that my favorite lesson in the book is also about friendship. And it comes at the end, and at the very end. And it says... um, Choose your friends wisely um, and and cherish them. They may turn out to be the best family you ever had.
2: And if you look closely, you'll see the stem of the flower on her book cover is actually a matchstick to symbolize the beauty that came out of her trauma. So
1: the the title, uh, Flashback Girl, is that it turns out that I had, that was my nickname and I didn't know it what i mean by that is there was an attorney that my family hired after the fire to represent us and i came to find through like the internet searches that my attorney had discussed my case in front of the united states senate for a product liability presentation he had discussed my case and my picture is actually in the Senate records. My picture, my little burned picture. And when I found that, 50 years after the fire, I found this on the internet. Literally. I'm not making this up. 50 years later, I found it. Wow. And so I, I tried to call the attorney to ask him about it. And he had died. But I spoke to his brother. And when I said, hello, I'm to Gear. I was in this fire. And he's like, are you the flashback girl? And I'm like, what? So it turns out that they had, like, lectured about my case, my case was sort of well-known. And at that point, I was like, and there's the title of the book. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mr. Attorney.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Attorney, deceased, but uh, brother was still around to give you some guidance.
1: That's right. And, you know, so it's like both, it's a nickname. And it has kind of a superhero feel to it, which I think is kind of cool. And then it alludes to flashbacks, which most of us who've gone through trauma have some element of that. And then flashbacks as as going back in time with memory. So it it, it kind of encompasses a lot.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I love that the title is really super catchy. And uh, so, it's, it's, so then you had already decided to write a book, but you just didn't have the title when you had gotten in touch with this
1: attorney. So Tracy, I... I had known I was going to write my memoir for many years, but I had to wait until my parents were both dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I was not going to, I, cause it was not complimentary, especially of my mother. And I wasn't going to not tell the truth in the story. And I also wasn't going to tell the truth in a way that would um, cause her pain. So I waited until she passed away. And at the point when I, saw this title and everything, I knew that my mother was going to be um, passing away quite soon after that.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I actually interviewed somebody last year, Uh, who she talked about that same thing that she didn't release her memoir until after her parents had died. I I think that's probably a pretty common thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is your first memory of of chaos as, as a child? What is your memory of having, again, being thrown off balance? If you didn't remember this incident, is there others that came after that just caused you to... Be swimming around, confused, caught off balance, and in chaos.
1: Do you remember that? Yeah, I think I think it's. I I'm going to give you two. So first of all, it's just sort of the felt experience of going through the physical treatment of these of these burns, which is incredibly chaotic in that it's so physically painful. And then the second one I would give you is the dissolution of my family. My my parents divorced and my family collapsed. And I remember that feeling incredibly chaotic as well. Yeah,
0: both of those. I and, and you know, when you think about they call big T traumas and little T traumas, and, and those are both big. Mm-hmm. When I think of those two things for a child having Gone through what you went through, and then also having the, like you say, the dissolution of my family. Were you able to find, obviously, you had some people who are helping you out and some resources. Were you able to find resilience within yourself at a young age, or did it take a while for you to develop that ability?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I had the seeds of resilience in me at a very early age, which then I was able to grow as I got older with a lot of help. Mm -hmm. So when I say I had the seeds of resilience, what I mean is that I have always been, you know, good at connecting with people. I'm, I'm friendly, I'm warm, I'm interested. So I was always able to make friends and connect with people and that, helped me stay grounded especially because my family was so chaotic to to use the word we're using Mm -hmm. and I always had the ability to kind of go somewhere else in my mind to survive things that seemed unsurvivable in terms of music and play and things like that that will take you out of the moment and kind of give you respite Mm -hmm. always had those abilities but over time as I got older I mean I had I've been in a lot of therapy. I've had seven therapists, honestly, you know, they really helped me. And so that grounded me more. And I learned more about self-regulation from that work, which helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. I also think I'm just kind of lucky to be born, you know, reasonably intelligent. And so that helped me develop a good life for myself, which, you know, going to school and all that stuff, I was... That's just a gift. You know, you get born with that, I think.
0: Yeah, I like that you bring that up because so few people uh, acknowledge that, right? Like this, is, this was a gift, uh, this gift of intelligence that has helped me to go where I'm at in my life today. Mm-hmm. And, and when we talk about resilience, you developed it. So it was both and, right? You were able to have the seeds of it and then you developed it uh, over time. So was it hard for you to go through school? Uh, because uh, I noticed that you are a speaker and one of the topics that you do speaking on is bullying. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if one of the reasons why you did that topic was because you had been bullied. But I, I am curious about how you were able to make it through school.
1: Yeah, well, and it was really hard. Um... So in the late 60s, when I was starting off in school, times were very different. It, bullying wasn't even something that we talked about as like an issue that people should address. It, it was just sort of something that some kids went through and the response to that if you even bother talking about it, because I don't, I didn't, I don't think most people did, but the response to that was that old saying, you know, sticks and stones may may, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That was sort of like the answer, <laughs> like pay no attention to it. And, you know, anybody who's been bullied knows that it hurts actually very, very deeply. You know, the words do hurt you. I was Um, taunted and bullied a lot especially when I was very young when I was I mean I look pretty good I really do look pretty good now but at the time I was the most hideous child you would ever seen and people could be quite cool what I do know though is that when as soon as I could get to my class those kids were nice to me I had relationships with those kids there was you know maybe 30 of us and we all got along, and again, I'm friendly, I'm warm, I'm a pretty nice person. So once you knew me, people were like, oh, she's great. It was the strangers who didn't know me that could be really horrible. Now that, you know, that dynamic got better as kids matured, but I still remember being bullied a bit in high school and I've still had, you know, a lot of staring and people um, making comments, even now. I will say that dating was super hard. It, it is not easy being disfigured in this world, or as we start, as we are starting to call it, facially different.
0: Right. And back then we didn't have stuff like Snapchat where you could put filters on your face or anything else to be at least some presence in social media. But I guess that's not really the point. I, it, you know, the, the point is, is that you moved through it. And I'm sure quite a few people are interested in, in your secrets. And so do you, you do tell about how you developed resilience or
1: found it along the way in your book? Yes. Yes. And so that, you know, that is my personal story about overcoming multiple trauma. But in addition to that, I'll share with you when I, when I speak um, about resilience, I talk about sort of the mindset of resilience and there's a mnemonic for that, which I'll share with you if you're interested, Tracy. Oh, I love those. (laughs) Doesn't everybody love a good mnemonic? So it's goals plus M&M. And that stands for, so the G is for gratitude, O is for optimism, A is for active coping, L is for love, S is for social skills, and M&M is for meaning making. And this is the mindset of resilient people. There's so much about life that we cannot control, and there's uh, some things about resilience that we can't control too, right? You know, people who, have a little bit more money. We'll probably be living in a safer neighborhood and have better access to healthcare, and maybe can see a good psychologist, and you know, get you know, a, an education in an environment that feels safe. Like there are some things about resilience that are beyond our control, but the mindset of resilience is something that everybody can work on. Um, gratitude, the capacity for gratitude, helps soothe people's feelings of being sad and overwhelmed. And in fact, there actually are almost always something around you that you can feel grateful for that will help you feel better about your life circumstances. Optimism is the ability to look forward in the future and say, well, maybe this could work out for me. That's super important because if you don't have hope that it can turn out for you, you're not going to probably put effort into making it turn out for you. Active coping is the ability to look at a problem and say, well, you know, okay, well, take me, uh, you know, I'm terribly burned. There's nothing I can do about that. But what can I do for myself? I can try to take care of my health. I can do the exercises my doctor tells me to do. I can try to take care of other aspects about myself physically so I look as good as I can. That's active coping. L for love is what we talked about earlier, Tracy, you know, the people around you, like I didn't have my parents, but I did have other people that gave me love and support. Um, Social skills is for the other thing we talked about, you know, the ability to make friendships, to keep relationships, to build those bridges with other people who might be able to help us. And meaning making is the capacity to look back through what you've been through and say, what good has come from this you know what what can i learn from this and how can this how can i use this to help other people maybe to make meaning out of our suffering mm-hmm. i think a lot of people who've been through something terrible do make meaning from it at the end you know whether they've been through maybe they're a cancer survivor and now they run a marathon every year to support other cancer survivors Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're a burn survivor, and now they go to visit other burn survivors in the hospital. I think most, I think most counselors are making meaning out of what they've been through by helping others. I think that's a pretty common story, don't you?
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm thinking about Viktor Frankl's book *Man's Search for Meaning*. It's right there on my shelf. I mm-hmm. try and give it away. People read like the first couple of pages, and they're like, "I don't know. This is pretty heavy." Because Uh, Viktor Frankl went through quite a bit being a concentration camp uh, victim and uh, with his family as well. So meaning making is so important for sure. Well, I wanted to introduce you uh, viewers and listeners to uh, uh, Lisa's website. That is www.lisedeguire.com leesdegear.com and I'm going to go ahead and share the screen with you so that we can look at your website and you can lead us through some of the stuff that you've got here and here we go yeah I really I really like here is the book cover here um, and a lovely picture of you and so, yeah, what do you want to tell us about your
1: website here? Ah, so um, thank you. I, I, I feel so fortunate. I had a, a wonderful designer who helped me with this website. So this is my author site, and this kind of is the very beginning of the book, what you're reading here. It's the introduction. Um, I think I'll also share with you because it was a surprise to me, but such a great surprise. The book has won three awards for memoir in, in the last year. It won uh, the Nautilus Book Award gold for memoir and then a, a, a couple of other really you know, pretty prestigious awards. And I'm thrilled because I've never written a book before. So that was kind of nice when that happened. Um, and those are the little medals that you're seeing above the book there.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you can see my my cursor floating around it, but yes, the 2020 Nautilus Book Award for Memoir Gold and the 2021 Next Generation Indie Book Award for a memoir and finalist. And then the 2021 Living Now Book Award Silver. So a couple of really well, it came out last year. So within this year, you've gotten quite a few awards for this book.
1: Yeah. Which it is very, you know, anybody who's a first-time writer will understand how scary it is to put out your book and how you just never know how it will be received. So, to uh, I, I will never forget opening the the email from from the Nautilus Book Award, which is the one the first one that I won, and and it just was like an email, and I'm looking and I'm scrolling down to see my book, and all of a sudden it says gold. I'm like, what? <laughs> what happened? It <laughs> was a really thrilling moment.
0: Oh, I know. And and so, yes, you'll be able to tell it by its telltale uh, yellow cover. And that's a flashback girl available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and or your local indie bookstore. There's also a an audiobook snippet here that you can listen to. I don't remember, do you actually narrate this book? Or did you get somebody else to do it?
1: Well, so that actually is is a is a lovely answer. There, it's my oldest daughter who narrates the book. My daughter Julia Sismore, she is a trained actress and um, you know really a very fine actress. And I knew that she would do a much better job with it than I did, and she's riveting how she does it. So,
0: oh my goodness! Now I have to get. I don't know. Should I get both? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of torn. <laughs> Absolutely, of course, yeah, yeah, because I did listen to it, and I did I had not actually talked to you in person, so I didn't know if that was your voice or not. yeah, so, yeah, so just just one one generation removed from your voice, but uh, obviously, a really awesome choice. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like you do have uh you do have a blog, and I know that you also do public speaking, uh, and at conferences,
1: at professional conferences, correct? Yes. I uh, was really thrilled to speak at the New Jersey Psychological Association just this fall. They they asked me to speak, which just floored me because I, I don't, I mean, I have a, I have a doctorate and I, I'm a good student and all that, but I don't really think of myself as an academic. I'm more of a clinician. And so the fact that they reached out and asked me to speak was just like, wow, okay, I'll do that. And I've been um, you know, fortunate enough to do a fair amount of speaking. I speak about the book, but then also usually um, dovetail that into talking about resilience, what it is, how we can cultivate that in ourselves, Or my new talk is I talk about my experiences and then I move that in the direction of talking about disfigurement, what that's like, and how we can do a better job of including disfigured people into community.
0: Yes, and so if you visit uh, Lisa's website, you will see the topics that she can speak on and they are riveting. When you look at them, they're just kind of like, oh, what she got to say about that? Mm-hmm. Resilience is one, of course, as you said, disfigurement, suicide is one, bullying, trauma, burn survival, all these really super
1: heavy topics that I don't think you are afraid to talk about. Am I correct? I, I am not, and I'm sorry to say the reason why I can talk about them is that I have experienced all of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I, I have really led a, a, a very extreme life. But as we were saying before, it is my hope in sharing that, that I have had this extreme life, that, you know, again, trauma gets all of us sooner or later one way or another. And I think it's only when we can have hope that like, oh, that person made it through and that person made it through, I can do this. I think we can offer that hope to, to each other. Um, it's interesting, I think a lot of times there's not much honest sharing going on in social media. I think most of us put out the best version of ourselves and we're not necessarily saying I'm going through this, I'm going through that, not in a way that's genuine and, and helpful. Uh, So that was my hope with this book is like, if you can get some honest sharing going on, maybe people will feel a little bit more like, and then I too can make it. Mm -hmm. Right, right.
0: Because your story is so atypical extreme is what I would call it, because it's really not something that happens to I would say if you pull together a uh, hundred people your age, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be very few people that go through the trauma that you've gone through. Yeah. And, uh, and, and fewer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and and viewers still who have made it, uh, you know, a life journey and have been able to get an advanced degree and also publish a book to try and and help people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, so wonderful. And with social media being as it is, you know, we have Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. We do try and put on our best face. I, I do believe that being real is a lost art in this world today. Yeah, you said it. You yeah. said it. Yeah. Well, so you have the website, and then also you can uh, follow Elise on Twitter, uh, at Dr. Elise DeGuerre, and on Instagram. So you have two Instagram accounts, but this is the one that I've seen that has the most recent activity. That's Dr. Elise Geer 6, the number six. That's it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any other sort of anything that you might be able to want to say or offer the audience, people who are dealing with chaos of all sorts and want to develop a little bit more resilience? We do have the goals plus m M&M m acronym that you can also just go back and listen to, but is there anything else that you want to offer our listeners today, uh, Dr. DeGear?
1: Yeah. I, I, I want to come back to something you, you, Um, mentioned, which is that I put out a blog about every other week or so on something to do with resilience. It's either me, sometimes there's a a guest blogger, but it, it comes out with frequency and, you know, it's free to anybody. And I think a lot of people, you know, find it helpful and useful. So I would say that that is something that I encourage listeners to check out They're stories, you know, and I think stories that are inspiring. Yeah. And I'm pulling up your blog right now.
0: Hopefully you can see it on the screen here. And I was looking at your blog this morning and they're really compelling story titles, right? With little pictures next next to them, Mm -hmm. A, A Tough Fall. Um, I guess you have, uh, this is part five in a series of choo- choosing more surgery, which I noticed uh, a little bit down here. Uh, so it's almost like you have to, what, what do you think the best way is to maneuver your, your blogs? Because they all look really cool. How to actually have a happy Thanksgiving somewhere <laughs> over my rainbows. <laughs> yeah. How would you suggest that somebody
1: uh, maneuver through your blogs? Well, generally speaking, you don't have to do it any particular way because each one is a standalone piece, with the exception of what you just mentioned. the this I did a five-part series on returning to surgery because I returned to surgery myself this fall, and I had a, a really major series of operations. So I wrote about that, and that's turned out to be a pretty popular series, especially for other burn survivors. Um So there's that. But other than that, each one of these things stand alone. And you can, you know, maneuver. There's at at, at the top of the blog, there's different um, um, sort of general topic areas. And if one interests you more than others, you can find your way through it that way. Okay. Yeah. So
0: all posts are here. And so, yes, you, so on the bar above the blog, you can see that there's all kinds of different topics there that you can narrow down the search Mm -hmm. if you'd like
1: yeah there's parenting and there's mental health and there's um burns and just coping so there's there's all different ways to dig in there and there's really a lot of content i've been doing this for a long time and i i i will say i take them seriously i really work on these blogs so they're 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 crafted Mm. Uh, and I and many people find them really interesting and helpful. So I encourage people. You know, you don't have to you don't have to pay a dime to see those. Th- those are all there, just being given.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's clearly a lot of really good thought, uh, really uh, introspection, and really interesting topics to share for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so make sure and uh, visit uh, uh, Dr. Geer's website: www l-i-s-e-d-e-g-u-i-r-e dot com and there is a tab for the blog that she does completely free and um and check out her book so flashback girl it's a thing and she didn't (laughs) even know it was a thing
1: (laughs) and i was gonna say if people have a hard time remembering how to spell my name and everybody does If you can remember the words flashback girl and type that into a Google search, you will get to my website. So,
0: Yeah, yeah. Because there's only one flashback girl, right? That's right. And that's me. (laughs) That's you. Right. Know it and live it for sure. Well, I appreciate you being a guest here today on Calming the Chaos podcast. Uh, Dr. DeGear, it was a pleasure. Uh, keep on keeping on. And thank you for all of the wonderful things that you produce for us to help us to develop resilience.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. And again, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you and to you know connect with whoever is listening out there. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos Podcast. If the information in this podcast has been helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, and on YouTube. You can also go to our podcast website at www.comingthechaospodcast.com where you can listen to all Calming the Chaos Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime,
1: take care.